0: The Construction Employers Podcast. Your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association.
1: This week's guest is Jeff Jones, who's the vice president and one of the principals at Infinity Paving. Welcome, Jeff.
0: Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for coming. Um, We were at a cocktail a few weeks ago with the Future Executives Committee and um, you asked me how the podcast was going and I said, would you be interested? And you said, sure. So Absolutely. thanks for doing it.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: I just thought it would be interesting to kind of hear your story. Um, you're at, uh, infinity paving now. And prior to that, you were with cook paving and Marus and brothers construction in right. the past as well. Correct. So you're from Northeast Ohio. Where are you from?
0: Sure. So I grew up in, uh, Parma born and raised, um, just moved to Brexville about two years ago. Mm-hmm. So for forty-one years of my life, I uh I've been a Parma resident. So
1: That's a good start.
0: Yeah. Went to Normandy High School. Construction. Yeah. Went to Normandy high school. All my friends, you know, grew up around them and uh just a, a great city. So
1: Yeah. So how did you get into construction?
0: So my dad was uh he was in the business and he worked for a site contractor and During summer breaks, I would go to work with them, you know, and I would power wash equipment and uh, sweep floors and run materials out to job sites, and I just got, you know, basically brought up in the business, Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it. You know, I think that was a big part of it for me. Really, never a fan on school, and I really enjoyed the business and just being around it. I knew early on that that's what I wanted to do. Not exactly sure what, you know, what my role was going to be or how it was going to shake out, but. I really enjoyed the business and the people.
1: Right. So what did your dad do?
0: Uh, he was an operations manager for a site work contractor.
1: All right. Earth moving?
0: So, Earth moving, yeah. Earth moving, yeah. site utilities, selective demolition, concrete work. So just always been around it, and I uh, really, really liked it.
1: And when did you start getting involved as a kid?
0: I would say probably freshman or sophomore year in high school. Yeah. You know, I would go to work with them in the summers, and anytime we had break, I would I would want to go work. You know, all my buddies were out having fun and playing, and I just I wanted to go to work.
1: Were you in any of the trades, or were you just uh, kind of man in the shop?
0: Yeah, kind of man in the shop um, during the high school years, and then afterwards. Um, I was asked to come in the office and help the estimators with takeoffs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went in and was doing earthwork takeoffs, uh, pipe takeoffs, and then I would hand them off to the estimator, and they would put the bids together. And that's kind of where it, it all started from that.
1: So that's kind of how you got your dip your toe in the right. business side of things. sure.
0: Yeah, and it just, uh, you know, obviously from, from that doing takeoffs, I became an estimator, then a project manager, um, and it just it kind of snowballed. So.
1: So you worked for your dad's company for a few years, and then when did you go to uh, your next job? Yeah,
0: so he, he didn't own the company. He mm-hmm. had just worked there. Mm-hmm. And then I would say that was in, I graduated high school in 97. So in 2004, I had left that company and went to Cook Paving. Okay. And I was at Cook Paving, and that's where I learned the asphalt side of things. So I knew the underground, you know, the earthwork, selective demo, and then it was when I went to Cook that I became familiar with the asphalt paving. So.
1: And what do you like about the asphalt paving? Because you're still doing some of uh, that. Yes.
0: Right? So Infinity Paving right now, we're an asphalt paving contractor and site concrete work contractor. So it's um, it, it's all similar. You know, it's all civil related. Mm-hmm. I think having a background in the earthwork, it definitely helps you as a paver because you understand grades, you understand profiles, and just the overall civil experience, right? Because you've got the earthwork, you've got the underground utilities, you got the concrete, the asphalt, it's nice to have experience in all that, mm-hmm. you know, because you kind of look at jobs a little bit differently than just, you know, a paving guy or a concrete guy. You really know how, how jobs come together. So Got it. Yeah. So
1: you spent some years at um, Maruse Brothers as well. What'd you do there?
0: I did. So at Maruse, I w- was an estimator and project manager for site concrete work and uh, their site division uh, was there almost seven years. And I think that's where I really started to just really dial into the business. You know, Maruse is a great company, great people, and, you know, their means and methods and the effort that they put into running a project, I really feel like that just kind of took me to the next level. Yeah. You know, working for those guys because they're they're dialed in.
1: Right. Yeah. That's a great company. Sure. So... What would you, what would you say are the values that maybe your dad or just being in the business has instilled in you that, you know, that you think adds to your value for infinity paving?
0: I think ultimately you've, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to hustle. You've got to enjoy what you're doing, right? Because if you don't enjoy what you're doing, work's going to suck. Yeah. And this is a fun business. You know, we, we get to go out in the field, we get to play on machines, we get to talk to clients, we get to bid awesome projects, and you see so much. You know, we work throughout Northeast Ohio, you know, as far down as Mansfield and over up until Elyria, out to Ashtabula. Mm-hmm. And you you touch so many projects and you get to you get to work with so many different people. You know, we'll work with GCs, owners, developers, private guys that, you know, they have a building and they need a parking lot done. You just you grow a network of really good people and contacts and it's fun. No, no day is ever the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I could be in the office one day bidding projects. The next day I'm out in the field talking with the guys and, you know, just trying to keep a pulse on everything. It's, you won't be bored if you're in this business. Yeah. You know?
1: So uh, how many employees do you guys have
0: right now? We're running around 30. Mm -hmm. We have four field crews. We have a mainline paving crew two site concrete crews, and then an earthwork crew, which basically preps all of our sites for us all the aggregate base, any minor earthwork that we have to do.
1: What are the trades that you employ?
0: So we employ the operators, cement masons, um, labors, and finishers.
1: Got it. Yeah, Roughly equal parts of each, or,
0: or is there one say, that's more heavy? Yeah, I would say labors are probably the heaviest. Mm. Um, operators, second, and then finishers.
1: So you got about 30 guys working right now?
0: Total, yeah, 30 guys.
1: And um, what are the... Cool projects you're working on right
0: now. Oh, you, you stumped me. So, we just <laughs> finished up uh, the parking lot for Ahuja. Yeah. We just got done paving that. That was a three year project. We're out at Trumbull Correctional Facility doing all the asphalt paving out there. That's a two year project as well. And then just a bunch of private work throughout the city, working for uh, landowners, you know, warehouse owners, getting their parking lots in. So, doing some work down at the zoo for Panzica. So, nice uh, blend of. Blend to work right now. Yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah. So what? Are you, what kind of um, manpower issues have you guys had? Have you guys had enough people for your crews? Or
0: you know, we have. Um, we have a pretty good group of guys that that you know they've been with us for a long time. For us, it hasn't been an issue. Other than you know, with you know, being as busy as everybody is, we could have put on another concrete crew this year. We had the work for it, but we couldn't. We couldn't find the guys. You know, and that's hmm. finding that that foreman. It's such a important role that you really got to find the right guy, and then you could you could surround him with with talent. But you got to have that right guy first, and I think that was the only the part that we had an issue with. Other than that, I mean, we ran with the four crews that we typically run with. It would have been nice to put that third concrete crew on, but we just couldn't find the people.
1: You got to have that leader to got to that direct leader direct the crew,
0: right? You got it.
1: So, hmm. yeah, like. Uh, Most of the workforce efforts are focused on entrance into the trades. Right. And um, I'm not sure how to tackle the foreman. I mean, it's really training the tradespeople to make them into foreman. Right. That needs to to happen.
0: Yeah, we picked up two finishers, two apprentices out of uh, 404 this year, Mm -hmm. and they've been working out really well. You know, Pretty green kids, really not that familiar with construction or concrete. Got them out of the hall, and uh, we've been spending the time with them. Foreman's been training them and they've uh, you could you could tell a difference from the beginning of the season to where they're at today. And it's that's pretty rewarding to see that.
1: Yeah, it's great. Right. Making right. them the more productive leaders of your crews.
0: Right. And and that's just it. I mean, we've heard for a long time that you got to go to college and there's other ways to succeed in life other than going to college, right? Not that college is a bad thing because it's got its place. Mm-hmm. But this business allows younger kids that if they're not sure what they want to do with their life, they can get into the trades and have a great career, you know, and retire with a pension and just get to see a a lot of really cool projects.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, did you go to college?
0: I did not go to college. I tried to go to college. So I went to uh, Tri-C, which is our community college, Mm -hmm. out of high school. And it just, I was never one for school. You know, I always wanted to be out working I was enrolled in the construction engineering program, which was a great program. I was also working full-time. And ironic enough, you know, when I was going to college, there was a parking lot that was being installed at the college. The company I was working for, we had bid that job and we got it. So I would go out there and see the guys, and then I'd walk across the parking lot and go and sit in class for two hours. <laughs> and it just it drove me crazy that I couldn't be out there on site with the guys. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was pretty much it for college for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you got a, a younger brother. Is Bruce
0: younger than you? He's actually older, Is but he? everybody okay. thinks he's younger, you know. I've <laughs> got I've got all the stress, so I look older, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, he's 4 years older than me. Okay. Um, he's a vice president with Cook Paving, so him and I are are super tight and uh, we've kind of come through this business together, so it's uh, it's great to have him and bounce ideas, and as you can imagine, when we get together, that's what we talk about. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Did he uh, follow the same path, or what was his? He
0: did follow the same path. He, you know, I think where him and I were different, he really, he accelerated at school. You know, he really enjoyed school to where I was there just to get grades to get out and graduate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, similar path, you know, he got into the business pretty much right after school, and just, uh, just kept growing and, and doing well for himself. And it's very similar path. Yeah. We both did not go to college. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you've
1: both been successful.
0: Yeah. We, you know, we just, we work hard, you know, it's, I always say this business, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, you know, but you've got to, you've got to have a little bit of street smarts. You got to know how to talk to people and you've got to be motivated. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to get up out of bed in the morning and there's going to be hard days. And, there's going to be hard projects and, you know, you just, you got to take it as a learning experience and you got to get out there and you just, you got to take it all in and and learn whatever you can learn and talk to the guys. And, you know, that's, I think that's the best way to do it for me, at least, you know, right. Um, I was never one to sit down and crack open a book and really just study and focus. And I'd rather be out there talking to the foreman or the superintendents or the estimators and just, just picking their brain and asking them why they're doing things a certain way. Sure. So,
1: so you've been at it since 1997. Right. There's been some ups and downs in the market and the industry since then. There has been. What What have the down periods looked like for you?
0: The down periods, you know, you saw contractors get lean and mean. Right. Mm-hmm. Overhead got cut. Projects, um, you know, you, you went after projects a little bit more aggressively. Um, but other than that, I think, I think if you could control your overhead and keep you know, keep your eye on the end goal and just stay focused, you're going to get out of it. You know, we don't at infinity, we run pretty lean and mean, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't have outrageous overhead. We don't have a lot of guys in the shop or mechanics or, you know, we really try to control our cost. If, if there's a, if there's a better way to do it or a less expensive way, you know, to where we don't have to blow up our overhead, we're going to try to figure that out. And those are the guys I think that that come out of those recession times a little bit better. Because I think going through that recession, it's going to force you to sit back and look at your cost and see where you could, you know, be more productive and and just do things a little bit better.
1: Right. Well, now you're a company owner. Right. Um, Back in the day when you weren't a company owner, you were an employee. How did you you weather the down periods?
0: You know, it's funny because sitting in this chair, I, I never... If you would have told me in 1997, right out of high school, that, hey, one day you were going to be part owner of a company, I, I never set out to do that. Yeah. You know, I just, I set out to, to work hard and just, you know, as an employee, I always ran my jobs like that money was coming out of my pocket, you know, and I, I took it personal. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, it's, it's the same mindset, you know, I could change. The nice thing about being a business owner is if you see something you don't like, you have the power to change it to where as an employee, most of the time, you might have a say, but ultimately, you don't get to see that get carried out, or you don't get to make that final decision. Now, as a business owner, if I see something I don't like, I have the opportunity to meet with my partner and say, hey, you know, this isn't right. How do we fix this? Because I've seen it in the past to where you've seen problems go on, and you've wanted to fix them, and your coworkers wanted to fix them, but nothing really happened. Mm -hmm. And it was frustrating. So I think I think that almost gives me an advantage on certain situations because I was an employee, right? And I still look at myself as an employee. We all work for a company. Right. right? Um I have a lot of coworkers, you know, and we just uh you just got to have that mindset that you you really care, you know? And that's I think that's how I ended up where I ended up.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Know? Yeah. Um I worked for my brother back in high school and early college days and uh, in a warehouse setting, but he uh, gave me a piece of advice that I never forgot: to make yourself indispensable. Right. You know, because, and that's what I hear from a lot of our members who, um, who own their own companies or run their companies. And it's you got to keep your key guys. I and mean, in a down period, you want to hold on to your key people. Otherwise, what are what are right. you as a company? Right. If you don't have the personnel to to make projects go when you when you are awarded them, sure. So does that uh, does that resonate with you? I assume there's a an A team, a B team, and a C team it, on it in does. every company.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we've got our you know from a field standpoint, we've got our foreman and our superintendent, awesome guys, and mm-hmm. those guys will always work. Right. You know they they've been with the company a long time. They have our best interest. They've got great personalities, and they're people. You know they're people person. So ultimately, they want to do a good job, and that. That goes down to their guys on their crew that they that they manage, right? They see that that personality and they see that hustle and they see that motivation and they wanna be like those guys because ultimately we're always training our next, you know, the people that are gonna take over for us. Right. Because we're not gonna do this forever. We'd like to think we are, but you've gotta you've gotta look at that that younger generation that's coming up, our paving foreman. Um mid fifties, great guy. And we've got a great blend on our payment crew. We've got some older guys, we've got some younger guys, but we're always looking at those younger guys and thinking which, which one's next in line. Mm-hmm. Because you, we always try to promote from within because they know the process. They know how we like to do things. And we're familiar with the guys, you know, we, yeah. we enjoy working with them and you always got to be looking down the line at, at what's our next step. What's our next plan? Because if not, you're going to get stagnant.
1: So, where have you guys start started planning on people that might be good partners in the future?
0: We have. So we actually just um added a guy, Jimmy Alex, okay, so Alex family, um, they owned and paving back in the day. Mm-hmm. I first met Jimmy at Cook. his uh, father was one of the owners. met him probably twenty years ago jimmy's he's thirty five right now, so he's mm-hmm. about eight years younger than me. And Jimmy and I hit it off right away. Just a, a great kid, you know, super smart kid, knows the business. Um, we have similar personalities. And he just came on board about six months ago, and we sold him a little bit of ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got some some interest in the company. And the plan is once I retire, you know, 15, 16 years down the road, then Jimmy's going to take it at that point. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, but you got to think that way. You know? Yeah. I mean, even though – I'm 43. What's going to happen in 15, 20 years? You know, you got to have that foresight. You got to have that foresight. You know, and I think it's it's great because Michael, our other partner, he owns the majority of the company. He's the guy that I'm buying out. Okay. And he's, you know, he's got five more years on our deal, and then he's he's going to retire, and I'll have majority ownership at that point, and then Jimmy's going to start buying a little bit more. So we got a, we got a nice plan in place. You know, like I said, we run pretty lean and mean. So it's me, Michael, and Jimmy doing the day to day in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got an office manager and accountant. So we all wear multiple hats. You know, we all bid work. We all run work. We're all involved with the safety. We're all involved with operations. So it's uh, it, it works really well for us.
1: Yeah. 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 I assume you guys have a pretty loyal crew and, and workforce then, too. We do.
0: Yeah. I mean, typically the guys continue to come back year after year. Everybody has fun. Um, we try to treat them really well. You got to pay them right, too. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you got to take care of your foreman. Even our, our guys on the crew, you know, we, we make sure that they're, they're getting a, a good wage for what they do. Obviously, being union, that's set by the unions. Right. Um, but we, we try to go above and beyond what the union sets. Right. Just uh, we know we got good guys and we want to keep them.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if you don't offer the good guys more, someone else will. Somebody,
0: especially in this market. You know, I mean, it's I've I've heard stories of whole crews getting stolen from a company. Goodness, and it's you know it's it's hard to wrap your brain around that. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, you've heard of an operator leaving and then his you know his bottom guy going with them, but I mean, it's to the point now where actually entire crews are going to other companies. Right. You know, and it's 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 a real it's a real concern. You got to pay attention to that. You know,
1: what's the uh, seasonality of the work you guys do? Is there any seasons to it? Or
0: yeah, so we typically. You know, we shut down in the winter from mm-hmm. January, I'd say, through end of March. If we have some concrete work, some interior work, you know, we'll run a crew during the winter. But for the most part, we're working April through December. Asphalt plants typically close down first, second week of December. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're quickly approaching that point right now. Yeah. You know, it's always, I always say, being a paver in Ohio in November, you know, it's it's just madness because we don't control schedules. And, you know, a lot of these jobs that we're on they've gotten pushed more so this year than ever because more than ever because of the the supply shortages the paver were always one of the last ones in the site so our season we saw you know typically we're pretty consistent from from april through december mm-hmm. but we almost hit like a like a slow period in august september where a lot of sites you know these bigger sites that we're on that were supposed to be ready they're they're not so it's pushing everything to the end of the year and it's just, uh, it's a little maddening at times. And then you throw in a, a day of snow in Northeast Ohio and everybody calls you. So I, right. I, I think I get more calls in November than I do all season long. Uh, so, I bet. It gets yeah. frantic at this time it's of year. It's frantic, yeah.
1: Especially this year. I've heard a lot of project delays this year from supply issues and right. you know, different things like that. Yeah. Um, so what happens to your cruise during the January to March period? What do those guys do?
0: Most of them Kind of relax. Some yeah. guys go to Florida. Some guys do side jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a nice blend, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the older guys kind of take it easy to where the younger guys they might go out snow plowing or you know taking odd jobs just to stay busy.
1: Right, you know? it's just part of the trade.
0: It's part of the trade, you yeah. know. And, and quite honestly, by the time December rolls around, these guys they're they're pretty tired. You know, I mean, we work 50, 55 hours a week pretty consistently. Towards the end of the year, we pick up Saturdays. So it's um they, they they put their time in and they deserve a, a much needed break.
1: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Any uh estimate of how many average hours the guys work for you during a course of a year?
0: During a course of year? I'd, I'd say it ranges. Um I'd say fourteen to sixteen hundred yeah. a year a season is probably typical. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah. So
1: that's more than three three quarters, I think.
0: Yeah, you know it might be with Saturdays it might work out that way, mm-hmm. you know, or if we start early, like we try to get going early April, but this past year we had a really wet April, yeah, so that kind of delayed the start, pushing us more into December. It's so much of what we do is weather related, you know, and it's, right. it's we we can't control that. We try to control it, but all you can do is manage it the best you can.
1: Yeah, um, if it's raining or snowing outside, you're not out there.
0: Right. Right.
1: Laying asphalt or concrete.
0: Some guys ask us to, you know. It'll, <laughs> it'll be pouring down rain, and we get those phone calls as, you know, how come you're not on my site? It's not raining over here, and you know we're 15 miles away, and it's pouring. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, we we make those calls in the morning. I get up early on rain days. You know, I look at probably five different forecasts before we make the call. Mm-hmm. So because we want to work, you know, we we don't sure. want to get rained out. Um, any day you lose the weather, that's that's a day you're not working. So. Right, you know, we we try to watch that pretty closely.
1: So. Makes sense. Um, so you mentioned the uh, the supply shortages this year. Is that with asphalt and concrete?
0: Not so much with asphalt. We haven't seen it, but concrete. I would say in the last two months, we've been hit with cement shortages, mm-hmm. and it's it's made some of our jobs, uh, you know, prolong longer. You know, extend out. Um, and, and they don't know if the end is in sight. We talked to a couple of different suppliers, got a couple of nice jobs going on right now. And you know, it used to be a couple of years ago, two, three day notice, you know, you set up your concrete and will call right now, these guys are asking for two weeks and it's just, uh, it's almost impossible, you know, between the weather and
1: And suppliers are asking you for two weeks, notice.
0: two weeks. Yeah. Some suppliers are, it's, it's, it seems to maybe be getting a little bit better, but it's, it's a week minimum, Hmm. you know, and it's, it's hard to project that when you're on these sites and we don't really have total control of the schedule. You know, we're either waiting on the site guy or the site concrete guy. Uh, because on a lot of these jobs, we try to get both. We, we, you know, we'll go after the packages, the site concrete and the asphalt package. Sometimes we don't get both. So we're always, we're waiting on somebody, right? We're waiting on the, the site guy, the concrete guy, the landscaper. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we typically seem to be the last ones in. So trying to, trying to forecast that, it's, it's pretty tough at times. Sure. So
1: Yeah, it makes sense. So you've been involved at CEA here for, what, 10 years now? How long has it been? Yeah,
0: it's probably been 10 years, a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Maybe 12 years, yeah.
1: Oh, so yeah, since I was involved here. I mean, 2010 is when I got here.
0: It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And
1: uh, so what things are you involved with, with us?
0: I was involved with future executives uh, mm-hmm. with you guys. I was uh, the president the one year. And that was, that was pretty cool as the vice chair of the, you know, the year prior to right. and then the chair after that.
1: And what kinds of uh, value do you get out of those meetings?
0: It, you know, it, it's, it's huge because you're, it's a network of contractors that we work with, you know, the GCs, the subcontractors, you build relationships with these guys. Um, you know, you guys from a, from a future executive standpoint, we bring in, you know, guest speakers that typically we wouldn't have access to that you know being with cea we've got that access so they'll come in and we could ask them questions and it's just uh it's a great networking experience you know
1: it's a great group it's it's a great group it's one of our most vibrant vibrant groups well-attended groups 20-25 people every other month
0: yeah do job site tours that's always cool that's fun we pick a site and go go see it
1: yeah yeah um well this is a a little interlude do we have anything on your list that we want to talk about
0: you know, I just kind of went through this. Um, I'd made some notes about like buying into the company, you know, what that process looked like for okay. my, my wife and I. I mean, I was oh. kind of caught off guard when I got that opportunity. So, yeah, um,
1: that'd be interesting to talk about. Yeah.
0: So we, we could touch on that. Um, that's, it's. I mean, it's a pretty good story. You know?
1: Yeah. I'd like to hear that. So, so when you, when you joined Infinity, how did that come about?
0: So Michael Meriglada is the um he's the founder, you know, the president of Infinity Paving. Back when I started with that site company out of high school, Michael at the time had just started Infinity Paving and they were doing some paving work for us as a site contractor. And I got to know him, you know, just a really, really cool guy and mm-hmm. real personable. And we we just kind of hit it off and we had that working relationship together and we've, you know, we've always just kind of stayed in touch. And it was in uh two thousand and seventeen. I was sitting at my desk and he called me up. It was a a Friday in June and it was pouring down rain. And I was sitting in my office. I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know, it's pouring down rain. We should be out there working. And he called me up and he said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Well, I'm not really doing too much. It's pouring down rain and it's a Friday. So he says, Why don't we why don't we grab some lunch today? Yeah. I said, Great. So Met at uh this place over in Brexville and we sat down and started chatting just about the business and how things were going and how, you know, how his year was shaking out and how we were looking. And he's he's like, Look, he goes, I'm gonna be honest with you. He goes, uh, you know, I wanna retire in ten years. I'm fifty-five years old and uh just wanna see if you'd be interested in buying part of the, the company right now. And I said, well, Jesus, I, I thought we were coming out for a burger, you know. I said, uh, you kind of just kinda just threw it on me. So you know we we talked about it and kind of came up with the preliminary you know i guess you would say structure or or how we could do it and uh it completely caught me off guard i said you know I, you know let me go home and talk to my wife about this you know yeah. I just kind of you know i know what i wanted to do but it, it was just it was just so new right so yeah. went home and kind of talked to my wife about it and said you know here, here's what we're thinking and you know what do you think? And she's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, I think, you know, I, I want to try it. And she's like, well, let's, let's go for it then. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, that started the process and took us a couple months to put the deal together. You know. This
1: came out of the blue. Were you saving up for something? No, like this? no,
0: not, not at all. And, and that's it, 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 funny because it was, it's just me and my wife. We don't have any kids. Um, yeah. we live a pretty modest life. You know, we're not, we're, we're not crazy people, but, um, that, that was a big part of it, you know, because you, you, so I hired an accountant and I hired an attorney and, you know, you go through the books and you got to make sure that the numbers right and the valuations are right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at like, you know, what it's going to cost for me to buy into this. And I'm thinking, holy cow, you know, I'm, I'm a kid from Parma, you know <laughs> I mean? So, you know, we just, uh, we went all in and, and, you know, we, we started out buying 5% and t- to me the 5%, you know, the value of it was, was a lot of money. So yeah. You know, we just is that we, a
1: cash outlay?
0: It, it was, yeah. So, okay, um, not
1: not working for cash. This is a cow, cash. Oh no, outlay. this
0: is you're coming to the table with a check in your hand. Okay, so you know, at the time, you know, 38 years old, and you know, luckily, I had a I had started saving a 401 early on in my career, mm-hmm. um, and I. I, I cash that out which my accountant thought I was absolutely nuts to do <laughs> cuz I got literally got 50 cents on the dollar right. you know but my my thinking behind that was hey this money to me right now is more important than 25 years down the road right mm-hmm. i've got 25 years to make this money back um so yeah so we 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 cashed out my 401 um the home was almost paid for we refinanced the house okay pulled all the money out of the house i had a uh, a sports car that was sitting in the garage that i sold ironically enough, we had just bought a piece of property, my wife and I, that we were going to build a house on. Uh And, uh, the timing couldn't have been worse, right? Because, uh, we got this piece of property that we just bought, ended up selling the property, Uh you know, basically every nickel we had that we could have scraped up. We, we came to the table with, Wow! and, uh, it was, you know, we, we look back at, and I kind of laughed and I said, you know, I don't know if I was just super naive or crazy or, um, but you know what, the numbers work. And that's what I told, you know, the accountant that I hired, super good dude. I said, look, Jerry, we're gonna go into this thing. And as, as excited I am to to be a part of this and the possibility, the numbers have to work, right? right. I don't want you to come back and say, hey, you know, these these numbers are terrible and, and still wanna do the deal. The numbers have to work. And you know, we we went through the books and Michael kept great records and everything was, was squeaky clean and which made it 10 times easier. Right. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with something like that and the books are clean and the evaluation is right on it, it just, it makes it easy. Right? right. So ultimately my account came back to me and said, Hey, listen, you know, these, these numbers are are pretty spot on. And then it was just a matter of, okay, is, is this what we want to do? And the rest is history. So yeah, um,
1: that's brave. I mean, no risk, no reward, but that's yeah, brave. it's,
0: it's nuts. You know, and I, like I said, I, we look back at it now and it's like, man, it's, you know, did we really just do that? You know? <laughs> but you've, you've got to believe in yourself. You know, I mean, yeah. you've got to hustle. You know, I know that I'm a hard worker. I know that, you know, we can make this work. And, and my wife has always backed me up. You know, she's always said, listen, whatever you want to do, we're going to do it and we're going to figure it out. And that that makes it easier. But, yeah. You know, I don't. I think knowing what I know now, if if I would have really just sat down and looked at the numbers, it it would have been a little bit more frightening than when I first thought. You know? <laughs> but it, it's all worked out. You know, we're five years into it, and uh, it's it's all working out. So that's nice. I, I would do it if if somebody asked me would I do it again, a hundred percent, without a doubt.
1: So, now, was Infinity in a in the line of business where you need bonds? Yes. So their yeah. financials needed to be.
0: They needed to be, yeah, they needed to be buttoned up and and they were, you know, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, that, that makes it a little bit easier when you're getting a clean set of books and the accountant that I hired, you know, he was a retired guy, worked for a big accounting firm downtown. And that was what he did for 30 years was basically re, you know, evaluate companies, you know, asset purchases. So he was dialed in with what he was looking for Mm -hmm. and it, it, it made it pretty easy, you know, and then I found a nice attorney and, worked with her and you know we kind of drafted the agreement and we you know it took us a couple of months to work it out but the biggest thing for me was making sure that the number worked you know the right. number was right because everything else you could you could work on but if if we couldn't agree upon a number it would have made everything tougher yeah you know but
1: get the sports car back
0: no you know <laughs> I, I did not that not that car but yeah I, you know anybody that knows me knows I'm kind of a, a gearhead and My wife seems to think I have a problem, but, um, (laughs) I love cars, motorcycles, cars, you know, it just, uh, it's always been a hobby of mine, but yeah, I did. I, I bought another car and so it's, uh, it's coming, it's coming back around. So,
1: so, um, it was it Alex, your new partner,
0: uh, Jimmy Alex, Jimmy Alex, Yeah, Jimmy Alex. So
1: he just had to go through some of the same stuff you did, huh?
0: He did. Yeah. Similar path. Um, he, he's got a degree, but you know, he grew up in the business, Mm -hmm. um, knows the asphalt, knows the concrete. Very personable, you know. You, I don't think Jimmy's ever met a stranger, and you know, for me, it's like you know, we're we're a tight knit, you know, tight knit office. Mm -hmm. So finding everybody that we hire for us, they've got to be perfect, right? Because we don't have that luxury of having a big office to where if somebody's not performing or pulling their weight, they get they get lost in the shuffle, right? right? We expose that pretty quick, right? If you're not pulling your weight or you're not working out unfortunately in our business, in our office, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing, because causing a
1: lot of people pain.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. And, you know, knowing Jimmy and knowing the type of person he was, I, I consider the kid a brother, a brother. Uh-huh. When, when the opportunity was right and, and him and I sat down and we had a conversation, you know, it just, it made sense. I, I think it made sense for him. It made sense for us. And it's, you know, it's been half a season and it's working out fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. So, uh, there's a lot of discussion around um, business development, small business development, and you know people getting into construction as a business. What's your take on on a new entrant into the construction industry as a contractor? how How do you think that needs to go or should go? If you were going to do it, start an asphalt paving company from scratch, not having a predecessor? How would you go about it?
0: Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> I would say, you know, first and foremost, you've got to have a couple of good guys that you can go to war with. You know, you can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're an owner or if, if you want to build a successful company, there's no way you can do it by yourself. You know, find that that one or two good, good key guys and, you know, just start pounding the pavement. You know, reach out to these GCs, reach out to these owners. You know, you've got to rent the equipment at the beginning. If you can't buy it, go mm-hmm. rent it. You know, I mean, there's rental places all over. You know, you've got access to equipment. The only thing you really don't have access to right now is the people. Yeah. You know, that's that's the hard part.
1: And you, you probably need those skills yourself if you're going to be starting a business. The right. Estimation and project management, management right. skills.
0: Sure. You'd have to know how, you know, how does a paver put down asphalt, you know, those things you've, you've got to kind of ha- have an idea of, but I think the people shortage right now, that's, that's going to impact our business the most because you call these halls and they're empty. Yeah, You know, you can't, you need an operator and they might have one guy sitting. you know, if you need two or if you need multiple guys, that's the hardest part, you know, going, I think, you know, you're seeing a lot more with these trades they are going to these career fairs or these trade fairs at these high schools and they're, they're pushing the trades. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. You've got to get, you've got to get these kids interested in the business, right? you know, and, and I think if we could somehow manage that people problem, I think everything else is going to, is going to fall into place. The supply chain, hopefully it gets better. It's got to get better, right? I mean, that's what everybody says. Oh, it's going to get better. The problem is nobody knows when, right. you know, is it going to get better in six months? Is it going to get better in a year? you've it's if anything you know if covid's taught us anything we've got to strategize a little bit differently than what we used to we've got to plan a little bit more further out in advance than what we used to you know being a being a smaller company we get the jobs they come in and we've got enough in the in the in the wheel to keep feeding us now we're constantly looking two months out three months out what do we got going on so but going back to your your question i know we kind of i got i kind of got off on that um I was going to start a paving company right now. I would just uh, find a, a good couple of guys to, to go to bat with me and just start pounding the hell out of the pavement. Right. You know,
1: what's your mix of public and private work?
0: I would say it's probably 80, 20, 80 being the private work. Okay. You know, we don't get involved with too much public work You know, we've got a good niche with all the, the local GCs that we work for. Um, Unless it's something that we really want to target, we we kind of stay away from that public market.
1: Um, is there any particular reason to stay away from it? or
0: No, I don't think that there's a, a reason. It's just, you know, from a paving standpoint, it mm-hmm. seems like you're either paving parking lots or you're paving roadways. The two typically don't intertwine, yeah. and we're more of a parking lot paver. So for us, our guys are great at paving parking lots, and they'd probably be great at paving roadways. We just don't do it, right? You know, that's our wheelhouse is paving those parking lots. Got so, it. and that's you know, we we enjoy the private market. We've got a you know a great pool of clients that that seem to want to do work with us, and uh, for us it works. You know, we don't have to go chase that public market, right? You know? And it's a different arena. It's a different. You could tell from a contractor standpoint, there's contractors out there that do the public work and there's contractors that do the private work. Very seldom do the two ever intertwine. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: So I hate to jump back and, and switch gears again, but thinking I was just thinking about your buyout when you bought into the company. Right. What are you actually buying? I know I know a share in the ownership and the profits of the business, but are there assets there? Are there tangible things that you're now part owner of
0: well sure so it's it's you're buying the business for one right Right. those tangible would be basically the equipment right so you the equipment the trucks um,
1: and in a company like company your size what what scale is that
0: i mean we're a mid sized contractor Um, you know we do you know 12 13 million a year Mm -hmm. in volume Mm -hmm. and we've got all the assets to go along with it so yeah. You know, it's, uh, you're, you're buying a lot of the business and a lot of, you know, the clients, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because yeah, what, you know, when you, when you go start out, out, a, if you go to start out and you build that business, you know, you could, you could do it slower. You could either build it, you could build a business and start it yourself and take time over the long haul, or you could buy into a business. I think ultimately they're different. But at the end of the day they're both they're very similar right It's right. just what path what path is presented to you and what what's the path you want to go
1: Sure so makes sense so what kinds of equipment do you guys own
0: We have asphalt pavers mm-hmm. we've got dozers excavators rollers a lot of skid steers and then all the trucks that go along with them so
1: it's a pretty high barrier to entry for uh, people getting into that business it, is, it sounds like it
0: is. The nice thing is though every you could rent everything, right? Yeah. So if you were getting into that business, you can go to Sunbelt, you can rent a dozer, you can go to Ohio Cat. You know, you've got access to all of that equipment. Yeah, if
1: you need an extra, they always have something for you.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So
1: Well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming in today. It's it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, so thanks for making the time out. Hey,
0: thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Do you
1: have any good plans for the holidays?
0: Just to relax a little bit you know, just a couple of weeks left of the season and just stay focused and try to relax and look forward to some time off during the winter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. Good. Um, thanks again, Jeff. Thanks Tim. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.